¿Qué pasa cuando muero? ¿Qué pasa cuando muero? ¿Qué pasa cuando muero? What happens when I die? With me, TW1. And then through there, got into skepticism. But yeah, like atheism and skepticism is, um, especially now, it's just gotten g gross, I think is the proper yeah. word. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's like a, uh, so in a similar vein to you, um, I was, I, I was, when I was born, I was immediately baptized as Catholic. And uh, from there, uh, like, But see, my dad, my dad is like a believer in God or whatever, but he's like one of those Catholics that's like, oh, I'll do whatever I want to. And if I just pray that it's, you know, that I'm, that I sinned, then it's okay. And also I'll come to church every Christmas. And that's the only time I'll ever go. Yeah. So, um, uh, so he wasn't like knee deep in that. And then uh, when my parents split up, Um, my mom trying to get me, like, she tried to do, like, those summer things where they'd be like, oh, you can go to this church camp or, like, you can yeah. go to the, stu the school year. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay. And so I started doing that. And, well, we just started listening to, like, videos and stuff. And then we, like, the one of my first big, like, shrikes against me within this church camp, and it was, like, this big, like, youth group type thing. Uh, they were talking about Adam and Eve and, like, how uh, Eve was born from Adam's rib. And I was super confused because um, I was like, well, wouldn't that make it the same DNA? <laughs> and they were like, well, no. And I was like, well, it kind of sounds like they're brother and sister. Like, if if he's the only one that could bring that one, like, her to life, yeah. then I would assume that they were brother and sister because it came directly from him or in some way, or at least... He's the parent of her, which I think, yeah, like, it's still fucking yeah, awful. Yeah, yeah, regardless, and, it's weird. Um, <laughs> and then um, they told me not to take it so literally. And I'm like, but then why are you guys taking everything so literally that's, like, <laughs> said, like, Leviticus and stuff? Like, I don't understand. And then I eventually asked so many questions that they basically told my mom not to bring me back anymore because I was, like, influencing the other kids. <laughs> Oh and man. So yeah, and uh uh so I was taken out of that and we really I really didn't have any more experience with religion after that, even though like it was like a hardcore like youth group that was like trying to convert me and it just wasn't working because I read I read too much, I read too many things, I watched too many things, I wasn't I was always going to ask questions about stuff. So Yeah, yeah. Um, You ended like like the dinosaurs' bones. You ended up being a tool of the devil to uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to lead the flock astray. Yeah, and uh, uh, I was just trying to figure that out for myself. And uh, like then I found like the Church of Satanism, and I was like, oh, this is kind of sick. Like they have a lot of like general beliefs that I'm like really into, or they're you know a lot of it seems very like left leaning. 
like getting into like leftist vibes and Mm -hmm. then and then as i like started like focusing in on that then it just became kind of almost very like ableist and white centered and you know things of that nature and i was like yeah okay this isn't for me because like you had brought up earlier with like the might is right and stuff like that where it's like oh you have to be physically capable to like you know uphold these values and it's like well where does that put everybody else that's not and you know coming from a family who has chronic illnesses and stuff it just felt uh really shitty almost so yeah, I I remember when I was going through my Satanist phase, I like I got all the books. Uh like everything that had ever been released from the Church of Satan. And then there was one, I don't even remember what book it was, but the the title of the chapter was Eugenics. And I was like, "Um, what?" And I read it and they're like, "Not eugenics like skull shape, but like we believe artists should have babies with artists because creativity is a DNA thing." I was like, okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah it, it it got really weird. And then um, after breaking off from that and being like, you know what, this isn't what I want. I just started to accept atheism. But even then, like in like the contemporary like political landscape and religious landscape, I don't even like calling myself atheist because like the most of the time what you see are like the YouTube ones, the like which are heavily like propagated by like white people, yeah, who are like almost militant in their values, and that's like I like as like it for me. I don't really care what you believe in as long as you're not enforcing it on anyone else. Like it doesn't bother me as long as you're not enforcing it on anyone else and you're not being a shitbird about it. Yeah, but (laughs) like they were like, if you believe in this, I'm going to fucking squash you. And I'm like, this isn't this isn't how we're supposed to do these things. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's really weird how like atheism essentially like because I would assume, well, for me. So when I was getting into atheism, I was I was a little bit younger than you. So this was like right after the Richard Dawkins boom. Uh and so, like, everybody, you know, was carrying this book around, and they were like, no, if you don't listen to what this book has to say, you're fucking wrong. And it was like, oh, my God, I just left this. Like, I... Yeah. Like, it... <laughs> it oh. It, and I think... I think a lot of it is... I feel like... I'm going to say white people, or I'll say Western, because, right, that's the academic term. Yeah. Western. Yeah. I feel like there's just an absence of like metaphor in in Western thinking to where like you yeah. can be an atheist but still refer to like nature as a work of God because like it's you know it's a bigger metaphor for just the beauty of something without yeah. really attributing it to this essentially a, an oppressive system that's kind of regimed over the last thousand years. And one hundred percent, and also and like with the militant atheists that you kind of see as like the main focal points of this, like even something as small as like saying, Oh my God is like a fucking like strike against you as a person. And it's like, it's just, it's like a a colloquial term of like, just like freaking out about something. So yeah, it's like that. And Oh, I can't believe I'm about to reference this comedian. Uh, but Dane cook, uh, had uh that bit about like uh militant atheists and how like if you sneeze or if they sneeze don't say bless you let them know that like when you die nothing happens yeah 
which and it's is... like it's like it's just it's just like it's just the standard like language of phrase that you like you learn from when you're little and yeah. it's like it shouldn't be it's not a, it's not a big deal like it's not like i'm forcing someone to ascribe to my beliefs because i'm saying oh my god yeah yeah it's it's a weird thing just to to parallel for me so i'm non-binary but i'm mm -hmm. from like i grew up in california so when people call me dude i don't see it as like a specific as a specific like framing of language because yeah. where i come from like that's just a, a a colloquial term for friend so yeah. when people say like the bless yous or the like oh my god or the god forbid <laughs> it's it's insane and like yeah. and i don't like going by agnostic personally either because when you hear agnostic you think of like college party fuck boy who's yeah, like bit, you know yeah. like you know i'm open to whatever because that's just the kind of dude i am yeah yeah and like i don't know i also uh agnostic for me like i just i have a really hard time believing in a lot of stuff like like ascribe to any of that so like even if not ag agnostic to me like i don't like again if somebody parallels or like tells themselves that they're agnostic or says that then i like i have no position to like tell them that they're <laughs> wrong because that's fucking stupid but yeah. uh uh for me i just in my in my own brain like it's really hard for me to like think of any of the ideas that are often presented as the right one usually so question about satanism would you be more likely to go back to satanism if it was closer to what's depicted in ty west's house of the devil Ooh, uh, uh, man, maybe, <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, uh, cause like, I mean, that's like, that's, I mean, like a lot of people think of fucking like, and also the, and a big issue with Satanism and the thing that they're having to deal with all the time is just like how that term is so like smashed into the ground and people yeah. like, you tell somebody you're Satanist, then you, you know, you summon demons from the ground and shit. Yeah. So, uh. It's like, fuck, no, I, I wish I, that was what Satanism was. Yeah. No, I, I don't actually think I would like that either, because I, I don't know. But I do think that would be very fun. Um, but What, um, just to, to clap Greta Gerwig like that? Or... <laughs> yeah. Horror. I'm huge into horror. I know you're huge into horror. Uh, and... I don't know what makes you say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely not the, the website you run. Yeah. Um, but I remember I watched House of the Devil just because – so that's my – I haven't seen X yet. Uh, but yeah. compared to Innkeepers, I prefer House of the Devil. I just think it's a mm -hmm. more provocative kind of uh, film. Like structurally, I think Innkeepers is better. But there's just something about House of the Devil that just is like fucking metal is the only way I'm going to describe it. Yeah. It's a fucking metal movie. No. Yeah, T.I. West, like, has that, like, he has what Rob Zombie wishes he did. And, oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Did you see that Monsters trailer? I did. Man, that's rough. <laughs> it, I, I really hope that it's being released in black and white because it looks like it's colored for black and white, like, yeah. filming, but also Rob Zombie to put it nicely, doesn't seem to really grasp some aspects of filmmaking. Yeah. 
it's hard and to it's tell. really it's really tough for me to say that because like like and like many people disagree with me on this and that's fine but like house of a thousand corpses is probably one of my favorite movies of all time uh so uh uh but yeah no i do agree like but ti west has that like has that like southern hellbilly like nature that yeah. fucking rob zombie desperately wants yeah and, but, but ti west can do it in a way that's actually like audience like friendly and not just throwing shit at a wall and seeing what sticks most of the time yeah rob zombie like unfortunately for him rob zombie is like a little too much of an edgelord yeah when it comes to his stuff like case in point his halloween movies i oh i i hate his halloweens personally i hate his halloween films if you like them i'm not gonna judge you not all of them is for for everyone but there was just something about giving michael myers a backstory which i know is like a lot of people's gripe with the film but just for me to it if it was done so like the killing joke Alan Moore's The Killing Joke works because at the end, you know, the Joker reveals, you know, like, I think of my history as multiple choice. So you're like, oh, okay, this isn't actually his origin, or maybe it is. But with Rob Zombie's Halloween, like, that is the origin of Michael Myers, and it just takes away a lot of the mystique, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would I would agree with that. I just, I don't know. Rob Zombie, like, I just like a movie. Like, I know... I know that there's so much of this, like, like, like the whole sin, like there's like a whole discourse about like how we shouldn't have like cynical movies anymore. And I personally like, don't agree with that. Uh, It's just, I think cynicism is a valid piece of art, like to be angry about stuff. And, uh, but I, I liked Rob Zombie being able to like cut himself off from all of like the previous installments and be like, Oh yeah, this is my own interpretation of what a character like Michael Myers would be and not necessarily has to be directly attributed to the John Carpenter version who already did his own version. I think Rob Zombie having that blank canvas and being like, you know what? We'll just make him uh, a kid who gets like verbally and harassed and beaten all the time and kind of give him something more to it than just he uh kills his sister and then the police pull a clown mask off of him so yeah yeah no it's definitely like i commend him because it is a ballsy thing to do is to just be like you know i'm gonna take literally i'm i'm gonna take like the literal origin of slasher film as we know it yeah and just do my own thing with it just i wasn't a fan but i also didn't like the uh Friday the 13th remake or the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street remake? I didn't like, I I do not like those either. I think Halloween is the only like remake of a classic horror icon that I've ever gotten to actually enjoy. And I actually yeah. like the second one way more than I like the first one, which is probably a heavier statement than most. But yeah. um... <laughs> I never made it to the second Yeah, it's, it's real trippy. He goes into like dreamlike visuals and stuff. I'm Okay. You know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it go like like it's le- like Michael Myers like basically like has PTSD and like goes through that with like visions of his mom and stuff. So okay, all right, I might check it out then. I'm gonna check it out and then I'll I'll let you know if it's <laughs> I like I like the I like surreal stuff. So if there is yeah. a bit of like a surrealist element to it, I'll probably cool. enjoy it more. 
Yeah, but no, I, I going back to the House of the Devil, um, uh, I do agree with you that that's probably one of T.Y. Best, T, T.Y. West's best films. I really enjoyed X, though, so it's kind of hard for me on those, too. Yeah. But Innkeepers really, is definitely his weakest. Yeah. I really want to see X. I just haven't gotten to. So, like, uh, I'll admit it here, like, first and foremost, I tend to not have an issue with pirating if it's, like, a big... Like, if somebody pirates a Fast and the Furious, like, yeah, have at it. But when yeah. it comes to, like, smaller independent creators, I really want to oh, sure. really support them. Like, Robert Eggers, um, I go and see every Robert Eggers film twice. Just yeah. so there's money towards him. Even though the Northman was just okay, I was like, I want I want him to have more films because like oh, he's yeah. a phenomenal filmmaker. One hundred percent. I still have to watch the Northman, so it's very different. It's like when you watch it, you're like, This is definitely an Eggers film, but yeah. it isn't as uh it, it's his most straightforward film. It's his most studio yeah, friendly, I would say. His most studio friendly my favorite is The Lighthouse, just because, like, a period piece like that, where, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, just so good. Just batshit insane, like, yeah. like, like, how did this, how was this allowed to be in a theater, almost, like, in the current, like, studio output is pretty insane. Yeah, my, my, favorite, my favorite is The Witch, but. The Witch is good. My partner fell asleep during The Witch. She said it was the most boring movie she'd ever seen. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> I feel like but, that's with most people. I had a friend tell me that it was the most boring movie he'd ever seen, and I was like, okay, well, I don't know what to recommend. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? The witch was terrifying. And they were yeah. like, why? Because you had to wait two hours for something to happen? And I was like, well, yeah, kind of, actually. Like, that is part of <laughs> part of it. Yeah. Uh, my brother and I went and saw The Lighthouse. Um, was it opening weekend? We were the only people in the theater. It was like, it was like an yeah. 8 p.m. showing on like a Saturday night. It was like prime movie going time. And I think there was maybe one other dude. Gotcha. Yeah. Like for when, when, uh, when, when I went to go see X, uh, uh, the person I was with, uh, it was just me, her, and then, uh, like old ladies all around us. And so that was pretty <laughs> awkward time. That was rough. That was rough. Yeah. Because the premise of that movie is like there, it starts off with them shooting a porno, right? Yeah, the whole thing is them shooting a porno, essentially. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 not the and like like there was like a there's a part in it, and one of the women was like, "Well, that was the best thing I have seen this entire movie." I, was like, oh, <laughs> I like seeing and, movies uh, if there's an old woman in the theater because it's like uh the two the two Muppets that criticize yeah, him the entire yeah. time. Yeah, no, when I saw Midsummer, it was just me, my friend Trevor, and one lady who was in uh, the row in front of us. And so the whole movie had gone through. And then she just stands up, and she knew that we were the only other two in the room. And she turns to us and goes, that shit was crazy. And then she just leaves. <laughs> and she's, like, in her, like, late 50s, early 60s. And she's like, that shit was crazy. And then left, and I was like, sick, okay. Yeah. I wish I had so Midsummer. I had a good viewing experience. Uh, Hereditary was one of the worst movie experiences I have ever had, because uh, a group of four middle school boys sat in front of us. Oh no! Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the there was a woman, like three seats down from us, who was on her phone the entire time and had the flashlight blink every time her phone got a notification. Yeah. 
And then during the peak of the spoilers for a, a, like a six or seven year old movie, um, during the peak of the payment ritual at the very end, yeah, she answers her phone and goes, yeah, no, there's maybe like 10 to 15 minutes of the movie <laughs> left. Like, yeah, I don't know. There's some weird shit going on on screen. I'm not really sure what's happening. Oh, my God. Ugh. Yeah. it. I got my money back from that one, thankfully, because it was like, it, I don't mind people whispering to themselves during a film, especially like oh, something yeah. more art housey, like very mild conversation, I think is allowed because you're experiencing like a wonderful piece yeah. of art. Share how it's affecting you. But yeah. like <laughs> to answer a phone call to let your friend know oh, that yeah. the movie isn't worth seeing is like where I I'm a, I'm a fucking I'm a fucking Karen in those situations. <laughs> but like it's it's rough. Like I hate when people answer phones during like 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 I don't care. Like, if your phone screen is dim and you're on, like, the complete opposite side of me, I literally don't care if you're on your... Like, if you're... Yeah. If if that if you don't want to experience the art that's happening, that's fine. Like, that's your prerogative. But as soon as you start affecting everyone else in the theater, then I'm like, okay, like, I'm, I'm going to go probably speak to someone because this yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, no, uh, I'm definitely big into making sure that like that's why i like the alamo draft house theaters whenever i can get to them because they like they have like a no uh like a zero tolerance policy on yeah you doing anything whatsoever while instead of watching the movie so i i still haven't gone to one of those because the closest one is like an hour and 10 minutes from me yeah um i thought about because they did a um there was a David Lynch film that they just brought back to theaters. I don't remember. Maybe it was Inland Empire. And I really wanted to go see it. But it was mm -hmm. just, with work and everything, way too far of a drive to oh, yeah, no. to see. No, like the closest ones in Texas for me. So I'd have to go through Oklahoma as an entire state. And then go to Texas. <laughs> so it's only, only when I go to Texas is when I go see. Like if I have to have a drive there is when I go see uh, Alamo Draft House. Anything in there. Yeah. But uh uh, we have like a we have a little local chain here that I just go to to watch cheap movies. So yeah, what um here? Let me ask this: Is there a like in the last couple of years? Is there a horror film that has really spoken out to you that every time you talk to somebody about it, they don't know what you're talking about? So as an example, for me, Mandy is like the oh, horror yeah, film I bring up to people. What what would you say is one of yours that I bring up often? Oh, um, so like I saw like, I think Midsummer is probably like the most like affecting horror movie to me in the last, like, like four or five years. I, I really don't like the narrative that it's kind of wrought onto film discourse, but I, that is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Like people being like, like good for her narrative, like is kind of like for that specific movie yeah. is like wild to me. Cause it's like, yeah. you do realize she's being manipulated by a white supremacist organization. Right? Yeah. Like that's what yeah. the whole movie is about. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. like, yeah, good for her. Her boyfriend's dead. And I'm like, bro there's so it's much like, more like context yeah. to this movie <laughs> yeah it's like the, the movie is about radicalization through community yeah like <laughs> and like turning into a white supremacist like this like it's it's but uh but like that is like like when i watched that movie i was like this is probably one of my favorite movies of all time like coming yeah. out of that theater where with my friend he was like 
I really don't know what to think right now. I'm kind of like, I think I have to, th- I think I have to sit on this movie for a few days. But like when I yeah. came out of that theater, I was like, oh yeah, that's definitely in like top, top favorite films of all time. And definitely one of my favorite horror films of all time. Yeah, no, I agree. I felt um, that recently with, uh, with Nope. Nope was one of oh. those films that like, yeah. I needed a day to decompress and like really, really like unpack that once oh, no no spoilers for this i'll just say the gordy scene let's fucking go man yeah uh, dude hashtag justice yeah. for gordy literally like there's no reason no nah, whatever i mean <laughs> now, now we need to start a film podcast so that way we can just talk about I, this specific thing <laughs> i am down i've i've been wanting to do a film podcast for a bit i was thinking about doing one with my sibling who's also non-binary and on the spectrum mm-hmm. um because they have some really interesting things. They went and saw Nope, and the first thing they texted me when it was over was that Gordy's an autistic icon, and I was like, <laughs> "It's like, yeah, yes, no, I see it. That's yeah, no." Because people, I think people also brought that up with uh, OJ, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Is that that was like a, that's a common thing right now is that people are uh, uh, talking about OJ being on the autism yeah. spectrum. Um, did you see? Oh God! What was it called? The Willy's Wonderland with Nicholas Cage. I did. Oh, I, I actually rewatched that at a friend's house recently. Yeah, um, it's, yeah I enjoy it. I, like, yeah, I, like a lot of the acting is super bad, but uh, watching Nicholas Cage curb stomp a gorilla on a urinal is probably <laughs> one of the best moments in film. It easily. It's like it's like the Citizen Kane speech. Yeah, Nicholas Cage curb stomping a gorilla on a urinal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the shark appearing in jaws in that order yeah like uh my sibling the same sibling when that film was over it was just like oh yeah nicholas cage plays an autistic person in that and i was like what do you mean i was like well they're on a very strict like schedule uh they go Mm -hmm. and do things that stimulate them when they get too overwhelmed in social situations uh they have like a security drink that they always rely on and i was (laughs) like okay yeah 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 (laughs) Uh, well, then we should just have we should just have a brown person Mexican podcast. Let's fucking go. <laughs> I, Let's fucking I, go. <laughs> I want to. I really want to bring like, um, like Mexican directors to the forefront. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen oh, no. the bar, but the bar is uh one of that my favorite. Really it's um, so it's about these people who get stuck in a bar because a um there's like this terrorist threat and it's revealed that there's actually like a virus going around. Interesting. Maybe, maybe I've only heard about it. I haven't seen it, but I'll definitely add it to the watch list. Yeah. He also did a movie called uh, the American version or like the American title is called witchin Mm -hmm. and bitchin, which is about a a group of robbers who end up at like a witch's house and it pulls in a bunch of like uh, Mexican folklore about witches. Interesting. Uh, That's cool. Yeah, he's phenomenal director. I can't remember his name right now. He also did Last Circus, which was just like a weird fucking film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would love to do. I would one hundred percent be down to do a uh, a brown person horror film podcast. Let's fucking go! All right, yeah. we'll talk about it more after this. <laughs> Absolutely, especially because I I really want to talk. You're the only person that I know that's ever seen the Clove Hitch Killer. And yeah, bro, one of my favorite movies of all time. Let's fucking get it. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, so I guess uh, for everybody who's listening, if you tune in in maybe like a couple of months, there'll be uh, 
a new podcast where we just talk <laughs> we we just gush about horror films for a while. Uh what is the most uh cuz I'm sure like uh the scene from uh Midsummer the death from that might have gotten you but like what is one horror kill that scares you? Um the blob nineteen ninety eight or nineteen eighty eight. My bad, my bad. Yeah. Nineteen eighty eight. Uh uh let's not lose my horror cred just yet. Uh, <laughs> uh that uh one one of them so there's this there the main character or what you think is like the main character in this movie, he goes through and like in the first thirty minutes, or it's I think it's a little longer than that, but mm-hmm. he the blob like conceals him and a girl walks in and he's screaming. He has his arm reached out. It's going like, through, kind of like like the blob is like con- concealing to his fingers as it's moving out. Yeah. And he's dissolving and screaming at the same time. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know exactly what scene you're talking about. And that shit, I that that has stuck with me because that is he's like he's like you can hear like him choking on his blood. Like it's yeah. fucking nuts. And I I literally rewatched that two days ago, and it's it's. It is a scene that has literally stayed in my head since I watched it when I was like nine. So yeah, I saw that fun. around around the same time. I was like, I was yeah. like ten or eleven, because yeah. uh, I watched like that and uh, Night of the Creeps, because it was on like oh, a yeah. streaming service. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm too, maybe I'm too young to be watching these. <laughs> yeah, like like the kills in the blob are insane. Like, yeah. but that one, that one specifically is like that, like one of the most visceral kills in like horror movie history. Mm-hmm. Where I'm just like, I hate this. Yeah. Or even um, uh, the descent when they're arguing in the car at the beginning, and he gets all of those like poles through him because they slam into the back of a, a truck. Oh yeah. Yeah, like that. That shit's also like. But the descent is also one of my favorite movies. So. I always forget that the descent starts like that because you know everybody thinks about what's in the caves. Uh, yeah, I always forget that opening, that opening scene because it's just. I think maybe my brain blocks it out because it's too real. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. too like real. Uh, for me, this like the one of the few kills as an adult watching horror. One of the few kills that like just kept me awake for days was the mm-hmm. ending of creep by mark duplass oh yeah 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 that one i don't know what it was but there's just something about that long you know that distant shot with a and i was like oh yeah. all right cool not sleeping <laughs> yeah and I, and another one that gets me is just the whole it, i don't think it's i i've watched the clove hitch killer a few like like more than like five or six times but yeah. um uh I can't remember if she dies, but just the scene where he goes like before his son, like, yeah, like encounters him, but like where he's just like putting like the woman in like binding and like has like the plastic bag and stuff like that feels way too real. Yeah. And the reason the reason I have like such a special connection to the Clove Hitch Killer movie is because the character is inspired by BTK, yeah. uh, who's a real killer in Kansas. And uh, uh, that was, and I lived in the same exact vicinity as BTK when I was like five or six in New oh, York City. Oh man! So it was, it was rough. Yeah. So the Clove Hitch Killer, like, I was like, oh man, this is wild. Because like, yeah, all the thing, like a lot of the like the Clove Hitch thing was like tying people up in knots and like doing stuff like that. And um, 
that was BTK's whole thing too. Was yeah, doing yeah, like biting them like that. And I was like, man, this movie is like the best, the only good BTK movie we'll get because I never want to watch an actual BTK movie. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I if they ever did an actual BTK movie, I would want it to be like the day he got caught where he was using yeah. a public library computer to converse yeah. with the police because he was an idiot. Yeah. As like a, uh, almost as like a, a, a Larry David slapstick comedy of just like, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing with technology. Yeah. One of my, like one of my least favorite things is like profiting off of like real trauma for horror. Uh, like, yeah. like, like you can make something that's inspired by it. That's not my, like, that's mm. fine. But like, as soon as you're putting like real people's names and shit in there and how they like yeah. died in visceral detail, I'm like, all right, you need to chill. Like, Are you telling me you weren't a fan of the haunting of Sharon Tate? <laughs> no, no, not. Man, everybody was talking so much shit about that movie, and I was like, it can't be that bad. And then I watched it, and I was like, this is the worst piece of shit I've ever seen. Yeah. So. When I saw the trailer, I was like, Hillary, no, what have you done? Yeah. You used to be an idol. <laughs> now yeah. you're doing a gross exploitation. Yeah, and I mean, you know, horror is not the only one. Like, Quentin Tarantino decided to do that with, like, just, like, kind of, like, smashing in graves of people. Like, the whole, like, Bruce Lee getting taken down by a white guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, this, just this random stunt performer and shit. And then uh, you have the balls go on Joe Rogan and be like, oh, he would, like, I wanted to do it because Bruce Lee was a fucking asshole. And it's like, yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah, there's a, you can find it online, there's a fan cut where, uh, I think it's called, like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but less problematic, where they take <laughs> out, like, the, the Manson family subplot and the Bruce yeah. Lee subplot, and it's just, you know, an actor and his best friend just hanging out in Hollywood during its decline. And I would love that movie. God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So when it comes to kills, so like, you know, we've talked and the main reason I do this podcast is because I'm terrified of being, you know, being raised Christian and knowing that hell is just on the other side of it. What do you think happens to me when I die? Um, man. So like, I've like, I've had friends and like, ask me this just because they know like the type of person that I am and uh things like that uh where uh i'm a bit more like logical and analytical about what i like try to talk about and you know dying like people want there to be like the pearly gates on the other side or like the like or some people want to go to hell because that's what they feel like they deserve or things like that but um uh to me I think what ha- what happens after you die is that there's nothing like we're um, we we get to we the reason we get to live is to be able to do all of the things that we did mm. and craft our legacy in that way and I think after we die it's not necessarily like this literal heaven right it's a heaven of having these people who like looked up to you and now get to see all the things that you did and they get to take that and do something with it. So I'm not, I don't, I'm not seeing death as like a, like this journey to somewhere else. I'm seeing death as a journey for someone else. So like if I die, they get, they, all these people have gotten to see this work and I have crafted something for them. Yeah. 
and that they get to enjoy and experience. And as long as I know that they got to enjoy and experience it, it doesn't really matter what happens when I die or what happens when you die, because you've gotten to give out all of this love and support and uh, work and creativity that other people get to enjoy now and get to remember you by. So you would say that life is like the gestational period of like art and, and interaction to like go out and leave its ripples through time. For sure. Yeah. Like That's the cool. things you do, the things you do now are way more important than whatever death looks like. Yeah. And um, because, you know, everybody wants to argue about if we go into a cloud kingdom or if we burn from the fires of Lucifer himself or whatever. But really <laughs> what really what matters is that you've done good things because you thought the good things should have been done, not because yeah. it was going to send you to a better place. Yeah, I've always me and my partner have talked that the like the the afterlife like there is an afterlife uh but it's in the heads of other people after you pass like that's exactly. where and that's, yeah. yeah and that's and i and i get i think that's where i was kind of like and like saying towards with my initial statement was just the fact that you live on with these other people not yeah not in some celestial kingdom or anything like that to yeah. me <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll make sure i'll make sure to put that uh, in, in the tagline for this just like all opinions gabe shares is yeah are personally my own yeah <laughs> I don't care what anyone else thinks please <laughs> yeah there's a bit of like a uh an occult kind of inter like not interpretation i would say like an occult alignment to that thought of like you know, like the the art that you put out contains, like, or for uh, all of the libs out there, I'll also say Harry Potter and the Horcruxes, uh, <laughs> that <laughs> that there are components of you out in the universe that carry on those kinds of things. And like now that I've said it, I really regret bringing Harry Potter into this conversation because you can just you can just cut it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because either I mean I'm definitely gonna gonna leave it in, but either like like white liberals are gonna come after me and be like, "How dare you make fun of Harry Potter?" Or like, uh, "Do you see this tattoo of the Horcruxes <laughs> that I have?" Yeah, don't you see my little spectacles with a lightning bolt above it? Yeah. tattoo? how dare you? Don't you see my back tattoo of the Gryffindor emblem? Yeah, don't you see? Don't you see my Dobby Tramp stamp? Like, yeah. <laughs> Socks. <laughs> I oh man, that would be so funny. I'm not going to, but it would be so funny to get a tramp stamp of Dobby holding socks. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I might actually do that. If I do, you'll be the first to know. Let's go. <laughs> oh man. Gabe, thank you for coming on. For the listeners, where can people find you? Is there anything you would like to plug? Um, so, uh, you can find me at a Latinx horror on Twitter and pretty much literally everything else that exists. Um, and, uh, my, the main thing that, uh, I want to plug is Castle of Chills. It's my horror website that 
exclusively spotlights diverse voices, uh, POC, LGBTQ+, uh, Jewish voices, just anyone who feels uh, kind of marginalized by the communities around them yeah. and don't, doesn't feel like they get a voice because horror is was and always will be made for the other and yeah. that's what we are when we're marginalized by society yeah so for those of you who have seen uh almost anything by eli roth and felt kind of weird about <laughs> the messages eli roth is getting across you definitely check out castle of chills it's a site that i love reading you have a lot of phenomenal phenomenal articles on there and a lot of really good reviews a lot of phenomenal reviews thank you appreciate it i we i try to put the best out there you know like we we i have a lot of really 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 talented writers working in that little bullpen for the castle of chills stuff and uh it's it's been really exciting to see because i think we at um, close to 60 articles if not 60 articles yet and oh, that's awesome. pretty insane that's pretty yeah. insane considering <laughs> we've uh started only like a year ago and you know i've been basically doing all this out of my own pocket so it's pretty yeah insane. yeah which like uh once again like thank you for having me on your site it was really oh, cool yeah. to get people into my favorite tabletop role-playing game so yeah no anytime anytime and thank you for bringing me on to this. This is uh, this is the only second ever podcast that I've been on. So awesome. Really Until exciting. we start our own, then we're gonna be yeah. on every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna do it every single week because <laughs> that seems that seems uh, yeah. that seems probable. Right? Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna do a pre-show and a post-show, both of them two yeah. hours long on either end, yeah. exclusively on Patreon. Yeah. Yeah, and then we're gonna have spin-off shows. We're gonna yeah. have a universe. We're we're, yeah. we're gonna make a franchise out of this. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, b before we sign off, I have every guest recite uh, a little Theravada Buddhist prayer that I absolutely love. Uh, okay. And that is, uh, aging is normal for me. Illness is normal for me. Death is normal for me. So, Gabe, aging is normal for me. Illness is normal for me, and death is normal for me. All right. Thanks, bud. Thank you.